What's up, Gravel Family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. What's up, Gravel Family? I'm Jason. And I'm Sophia. And we are continuing our Power Couple Love Month episodes uh this has been really fun we've already got one down and we're just pushing through here so um this might be like the new format i don't know this has been really fun having multiple guests at the same time i'm telling you jason we talked about it last time i think this is we're on to something i I think you need to stop coming up with good ideas (laughs) um but without further ado again these are both uh two individually uh very successful people and have contributed so much to our sport so uh, the intro is almost as long as the podcast, <laughs> but, uh, without further ado, uh, Dave Pryor is a beloved, uh, race promoter in Pennsylvania. Who's been a crucial part in the growth of gravel cycling on the East coast, putting on events, going back clear to 2013 before gravel was cool. They might say, uh, with unpaved Pennsylvania and monkey knife fight. And then on the other side, we have Celine Yeager, who's a top-selling professional health and fitness writer, including writing for Bicycling Magazine and writing the book called Gravel, The Ultimate Guide to the Gear Training and Grit You Need to Crush It. She's a cycling coach, former All-American Ironman triathlete, the menopause content manager for Feisty Media. This just goes on and on. And the host (laughs) of the incredibly popular Hit Play, Not Pause podcast, as well as completing and participating in almost all of the major gravel cycling events across the country. Um, Welcome, you guys. Welcome. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Good night. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Well, first and foremost, how are you both doing? How's uh, things starting to thaw out there on the East Coast? Yeah, I mean, it's not. We haven't had too much of uh, snow or ice to thaw yet. I mean, we did have some storms, but the sun has come out, and we had a beautiful weekend. So. I know we'll get hit with another storm in February, but so far, so good. Groundhog says that spring is around the corner, though. That's a big deal in Pennsylvania. The groundhog's just down the road, so we're taking that as gospel. Spring is here. It's time to go ride bikes more. My dad's birthday is on Groundhog's Day, so mm-hmm. like I, that's the only reason I remember when, when Groundhog's Day is. So I did see uh, spring is coming soon rather than later. So, <laughs> And we have we ride by it a lot. The oldest drive-in theater in the country still operating and they really? did a double feature they always do double features but it was groundhog day for both shows <laughs> on uh, over the weekend which was awesome did you I, go? I tried to show uh <laughs> i tried to show my two and a half year old nanny kid the other day like how big of a deal it was that groundhog day that the groundhog predicted spring and she was like i don't care and i was like listen here girlfriend <laughs> this is this is a lot. This means we get to be outside and ride bikes. Do you, have so. you ever been to, oh, what's the town? Puxatawney. Puxatawney. Yeah, Puxatawney. Well, oh, so it's Puxatawney Phil yeah. is the, okay, yes. that's how it gets its name. Now, so um, have you been there for the hoopla? It's about four to five hours away. It's at dawn. Okay. It's thousands of people there at dawn, <laughs> possibly still up from the night before situation. Um, oh my gosh! If if it was not in February, and then we could go for a legit, we knew we could go for a good bike ride up there. Where there is gravel roads and forest lands out the wazoo from there, like it's good to visit Puxatawney regardless. But maybe not the 
second day of February when it could be <laughs> terrible and not going to ride a bike. So wait, is it like a party thing? Like the oh. night before? So, oh. but wait, wait, wait. Isn't it the, like the Amish, like lead, like they, ha- right? No, isn't this it? This is I've not heard... led by the Amish. No, they may have. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe then we've I'm co-opted. So wrong. Maybe we've appropriated it for party's sake. Maybe there could be a relation to Cinco de Mayo. I don't know. We can edit that out. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's not Amish running the show anymore. It's a elite crew of uh, drunkards running a good time. Wow, that just blew my mind. Yeah, they good actually had to ban alcohol in the little the co- nobblers. What is it called? Gobbler's, Gobbler's knob. knob. Gobbler's knob area itself, because people were so drunk and rowdy, they were like jumping the mascot who's dressed up as a goat. You know, it was bad. So they're partying all night. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like something that should happen in Miami, not in Pennsylvania, you know? Well, as we may discuss on this episode, welcome to things in Pennsylvania. There may be beer involved. My world is about to open up. I'm excited for this. Well, let's just jump in then. Um how did you guys meet and how long have you guys been together? What brought you together? Let's just give us all Ooh. the details. Celine, you have a memory. You should probably start. I do. Um, well, we met at, at um, Rodale Press, which is the home of Bicycling Magazine. So we both started about the same time in 1995. Was that, is that correct? Yeah, in 1994, you're right. It was, I was in November of 1994. And uh, we just started riding bikes together because everybody rode bikes at lunchtime and hit it off. And we've been married 25 years. Wow, I have been riding congratulations. bikes. Yeah, I've been riding bikes for a few years before I came to Rodale and went for a ride with Celine and we were riding along this beautiful farm road. I remember the spot exactly. There's hills in the background. It's really pretty. I'm riding with this cute girl. And I looked down and she's in the biggest gear and just chatting along. I'm like, how are you feeling? Good. Yeah, you feeling comfortable? Yeah, I feel fine. Why? I'm like, I think you'll be good at the sport. I think you may have found something <laughs> you'll do well at. <laughs> Let's go ride up those hills. So I rode bikes growing up, but I, yeah, I rode bikes growing up and into like high school. I was that weird kid that just rode a bike everywhere. But then I just sort of put it aside and I lived in Philly and I didn't have a bike and I, I didn't have a bike when I got to Rodale. So everyone's like, oh, you should ride with us. So I just bought like a $200 Cannondale off the, they used to have like a swap and shop, you know, and didn't fit me. It was a size too big and I was just riding, you know, with Dave and he was just like, What's happening? It's incredible. <laughs> so, uh, what of the percentage of your relationship? How much do you guys ride together, like on a consistent basis? More now. Yeah, during peak Ironman days, very little. Uh, there was no chance of me riding much. I, actually, my line is the only reason we ride together is because I know where we're going. So Celine would get up to the top of the hill or the intersection first, but have to wait because she wouldn't know exactly. <laughs> I have no sense had, of direction. Yeah. <laughs> so before we had devices and I would make a route and put it on our Wahoos, now I don't tell her about that. It's like, I think we're going to take a left here. So she has to wait to hit every intersection. That's my only chance or hope. So how do events go with you guys? Do you guys ride together or historically have you ridden together or is it just complete? Nope. 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 Oh, please, no. She's golf trying to win. I often say I will, and then I don't. (laughs) And the first hill happens, and we know better. 
My line all along well, during races was I just needed to finish in time to be there for the awards so I could take the picture of the podium. So that was my only goal <laughs> was to go. be there in time for you know, two hours after she finished so I could take that picture. And then my job was done. Yeah, I'm not a, a good goal. racer. I'm a finisher. Yeah, but I'm flattered, you know, like when we did the bikepacking thing in Florida, that was, it's easier to stay together. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I've heard you survived tandem riding, so that you, you must have a really strong relationship to have survived that. Oh, yeah, because we don't try and stick together. We do our own things at work. When we tried tandem riding, you know, I'm captaining, and she did not like the fact that I wasn't pedaling when she wanted to pedal. And it's like, well, why are you just still coasting? I didn't and like, you couldn't see. I didn't, and I didn't like not being able to see. There was, there was a lot of chatter back there. So I said, fine, you get on the front. So we do, and then she realizes immediately that it has a different turning radius, and she jumps <laughs> off the front. We were heading right towards the wall, and I said abandon ship. <laughs> so she left me without brakes or steering or any of that, and I Fred Flintstone in and said, we're not riding tandems outside the parking lot. And that was the end of that. We've never tandem since. That's amazing. <laughs> I've, I am very impressed with people that can figure it out. I've tried it one time, and it is so much harder than it looks. Oh, yeah. It's so hard. We so, did Stopping most, and starting, I can't. I, it just, most like, death-defying thing we ever did. <laughs> after that, and it was after this, we went to Brookline, Massachusetts, which, if anyone knows, is like anything around Boston is, are heinous roads. They're crowded. They're congested. They're narrow. And we were helping uh, do tandem rides for the blind. So, oh gosh, yeah. and they were on these janky ass tandems. You know, they were donated. We literally went around the parking lot like twice and just out and, and just out into traffic on this big ride. And I'm like, we are so good. Like, we're all dead. We're all dead. And the woman behind me, I'm like, are you nervous? She's like, no, I completely trust you. I'm like, I'm scared to death. Because she's blind and can't see. Because, but to your point, like, they can't see, like, with stoplights and turns. I mean, you know, I mean, by the end of it, I was able to be like, okay, we're trying. And she got pretty good. But otherwise, it's just dead weight. Because she can't respond because she can't see. It was harrowing. Oh, my gosh. Wow. What an experience. Well, our, I mean, Dave, you were, you were here the year we had our uh, tandem guys crush Riding Gravel World, right? Yes. And, yeah. I yeah, was and they... They were the guy on the back it, uh, is is visually impaired, and they yeah. that like they crushed the Paralympics and stuff. I mean, they're two world class athletes on one bike, and well, like the trust that they have of <laughs> of being on the back and not being able to see is pretty right? incredible. Well, I mean, Celine wrote Love the start. That's how Katie Compton got her start. She was riding with um, I forget who. But you did a story on them. Like, that's how she was got Katie. into racing. Yeah. Was well, ch- uh, Chase worked too, right? Didn't he get mm-hmm. some, like, national championships as a uh, as a pilot? Or what's it? Is it pilot? Yeah. It's he pilot. got it just this past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Like, so cool that, that we have the ability to do that. Like, yeah. uh, to allow Absolutely. people to experience that. I, re- I remember, uh, I want to say it was 20. I have the poster. What year was it? 2017 Dirty Kanza, now Unbound, uh, was like the first, uh, I believe, finisher of somebody who was blind. And like at the award ceremony, like everybody was like crying and everything. Wow. It was yeah. it was super emotional uh, to have the first like blind finisher of an event. That's which, awesome. Yeah, so rad that like opportunities are getting open for more and more people. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, 
Yep. I can already tell that you guys both um, have lived a lot of stories on <laughs> the bikes, and I'm so excited to dive into this. But before we do, um, what is a highlight that each of you would add to your partner's accolades that we missed? Um, Dave, let's start with you. Wow. On or off the bike. Doesn't have to be anything bike related. Mm -hmm. Also good. Yeah. He is. And I don't I don't know. know. Well, let me say he got his MBA at Lehigh, which while doing unpaved and all these events and having a full time job, which I think is. I have so much respect for that. I can't even, I can't even express it. And, um, and I'm really proud of the work he does at Rodale Institute because they are really changing, changing lives and changing things for the better. Thank you. Um, same about what you're doing with menopause. I think it's going to change the world in a better place. Goodness knows more than half of the human population goes through this and we have been hiding from it forever. This time we all wake up. That's amazing. Um, I'll throw in something more jovial, as I do. Um, and I know this is not what everyone can get to do, but while Celine was pregnant, she was still mountain biking. Um, and we were on a ride. I think you were at least eight months pregnant. It was, it was crazy how long you were still mountain biking. I was eight months pregnant. And we came up this one climb that was kind of technical. And... These guys were sessioning it, trying to figure out how to get over this one log. And she got to it and almost got over it. And then she just looked and was like, normally I get this, but I'm eight months pregnant. And rode off. And they're just jaws <laughs> hit the floor. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, Epic. that's my wife. Yeah. Sorry, guys. That's I, my wife. Got to go. <laughs> one of the most inspiring stories like that that I've experienced, I was, I was in the finish line gate uh, helping hand out patches and water at Mid-South a couple years ago when Laura King was like seven, eight months pregnant. Um, and she did the 50 miler, I want to say, but still insane. Yeah. Huge. Uh, at, and like she finished and there was three young women, like 20 to 23, 24, somewhere around there. And like one of them like looked at him was like, look, look, look. And the other one was like, that's right. We can do anything. And like, it, it was like, and I it told still her, gives yeah. me chills. I love yeah. cool. Like that's one of my favorite stories in gravel, and Hell yeah. uh, I'll probably tell it in the next episode to Laura, who's right. going to be on the podcast. Awesome. Um, it's it's seriously one of my best, like favorite stories of uh, I've seen other people inspired, and like just sharing those stories are cool. So I'm glad you told that, Dave. Okay. Um, just that to those three guys, they probably still tell the, that story, right? They probably are like, do you remember that time? Do you remember like, that one time? That badass woman did that. And they still never clean up That's all, I'm sure cool. of it. <laughs> uh, kind of speaking on that, uh, uh, Celine, you've been a fierce, or maybe we should say feisty, uh, oh. <laughs> leader in creating conversations about women aging in sport, uh, especially around the topic of menopause. What started that journey for you? Uh, and then who were your, some of your leaders uh, in your life to help you push be a leader yourself? Um, in that space, uh, in particularly, that space I mean, particularly, I mean, I would say, who? So I co-wrote a book with Dr. Stacy Sims called Roar, and that came out in 2016. And that's all about women-specific physiology and training, because she's a pioneering researcher in that space. Um, and when that book came out, people let, let us know pretty quickly that one chapter on menopause wasn't enough. But at the point, I was like, oh, you know, neither of us were really quite there. Although now looking back, I, I was definitely going through some things. I just didn't recognize what they were. But anyway, when I hit about 48, 
I mean, lots of stuff happened. My, my body composition changed. I was having crazy anxiety, waking up in the middle of the night, all kinds of stuff. I thought I was just, like, losing my mind. And I came to know that it was the hormonal fluctuations that happened during this period. And I talked to Stacy, and we, you know, I'm like, they were right. We need to do more on this. So we did another book called Next Level. And then I got approached to do the podcast. And it's been the most, and I've done a lot of work I'm super proud of, but this is definitely the work I am most proud of. Because literally, nearly every other day, I have a message coming in saying, thank you, I thought I was done, I felt alone, I didn't know what to do, I quit my sport, I, I, I could go on and on and on, and um, it's just been really satisfying. I think um, in, you know, historically, it's always been sort of a taboo topic um, totally, to talk yep. um, and add on that level of kind of shame that you have to leave those things that you've always loved behind because of it is a whole other, you know, layer to add to the misery, um, you know, of going through that. So, but it, it can be a beautiful thing. It doesn't have but to be But you don't a have miserable to, and that's thing. the thing. Yeah. Like, I, believe me, I had my share of anxiety and panic attacks before the podcast launched. Like, do I really want to talk about this? Do I really want people associating this with me? Do I really want to, quote, unquote, admit this? And I was like, what? Yes, because of all these things I'm talking about, I have the opportunity and I have a platform and I've been writing about sport and and training for almost 30 years at this point I had a Rolodex this big of all people that I could call on and I was like if not you who and you have a chance to really open a door and change this and you know I'm I'm not alone in this opening of the door for sure but I was one of the early people and I was one of the only people talking to active women because a lot of the information that you get because the vast majority of people in this country are sedentary the advice is like exercise you should try exercising i'm like check you know got it you know but nothing was like performance oriented so i i have had and i won't name her but she would happily be named i mean she will almost quit cyclocross because she couldn't like get a hold of what was happening with her power numbers dropping in her training and she like hugs me every time she sees me she just won another world cha- uh, national championship jersey you know she's in her 50s and she's just crushing it but she would have quit it's I good do. and like it's awesome that you have we have technology one that can mm-hmm. allow you to to share that and that this is kind of one of the things i want to transition into is your podcast uh hit play not pause is an incredibly successful widely followed podcast even i've listened to a few episodes just because to find a better understanding of of uh some of the guests that you've had on that i really respect and like as a man i am very lucky that i don't have to deal with those things in my life and it's it's really good and humbling to understand that but we couldn't have you on our podcast without talking about your podcast um and like one of the things we love sophia and i love is those conversations that we have on a very consistent basis, and this is one of them, where we get inspired uh, from the guests and the conversations we have. Uh, what are some of the conversations that really stick out to you um, that resonate and motivate you of those conversations you've been blessed to have? Who? Wow. I mean, I've had so many because it's like I've had 175 episodes at this point. But I mean, I, I honestly, I learn something from every single episode as a writer. I always made it a point that I would learn something from everything I wrote because if I learn something, my audience is guaranteed to learn something because I live this stuff, right? 
So, I mean, my conversations on the podcast are very similar. I try to learn something in every episode. I mean, I think the, if I have to say one person off the top of my head that, like, I didn't think my jaw could hit the, my desk anymore, it was this woman, um, Sarah, and I'm going to blank on her last name. She's a swimmer. It'll come to me. Um, she also had cancer. She went through menopause medically. And she has, she, she has crushed, while going through menopause and while going through her cancer treatments, swam like all of Lake Champlain, which I think was 172 miles or something insane. Oh, insane. She did in one go, like without yes. stopping? Yes. Mm-hmm. English Channel crossing back, forth, back, forth, four times. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, you can't even comprehend what she's telling you. Like, like, the sun goes down, it comes up, it goes down, it goes up, she's still swimming. I've actually never heard of that in swimming before. I know, you know, like, there's crazy long distances for running and cycling, but for swimming, no, that's a whole other level. Sarah's, like, Sarah Thomas, and Lake Champlain was 105 miles that she swam. But she did another one that was even longer. She's done all the channel swims. She's in, it's... Like she was like that left me like okay no complaints you know like okay she had her chemo port still in you just keep adding layers to the story my, yeah you said your jaw drops I I mine keeps like dropping lower and lower I mean, every time she said something I was like so wow. cool wow um who who are like what so for people who don't aren't familiar with your podcast like what how would you describe your podcast like what type of guests do you have mm. on um like give a tldr of of your own podcast yeah i mean it's really yeah, for I mean, active really women active in and beyond the menopause transition just helping you like understand what's going on because when your hormones change you know estrogen there are estrogen receptors in every single cell of your body and it affects every organ system and that's just not talked about we think about no more periods yay but it also just like your muscle like it affects your 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 moods your cognition your your everything so you know i, I help people understand it and then i'll have episodes devoted to any of those aspects so like next week i have dr rochelle bernstein on and it's all about vaginal and vulvar health and i'm sure women would want to listen to this if they can't ride a bike for more than three hours because they're in a ton of pain and there are changes that happen to those tissues that can cause pain damage burning you name it and that is super super treatable it's one of the most treatable things that we can do here so if that is you Talk to your doctor. Hit me up a DM. I will help you out. Anyway, I'll listen to that episode. So so anyway, to answer your question broadly, I I try to do it like a DJ. So I'll have like, I'll have a doctor on like Dr. Rochelle Bernstein. I'll have researchers on talking about like what we're understanding because we're still trying to understand a lot of these mechanisms and what's going on during this transition. Then I'll have on athletes of all different kinds. I'll have power athletes. You know, I had Lekka Feynman who just won CrossFit Worlds in her age group. You know, so I, I try to just have a variety of people from, from inspirational athletes to researchers to doctors talking all aspects and just, you know, inspiring people that their best years are not behind them. So all in one episode. So it's not like you have just one guest, an episode. Oh, no, just one guest, an episode. No, no, no. So I try to do it like, I mean, I do my lineup like a DJ. So like in any given month, I won't have a bunch of athletes. I'll have, I'll try to like, you know, spread Mm -hmm. it out and, and hit different notes. 
I like that because that it, it reaches the people who aren't just athletes. It's also yeah. people yeah. Totally. who just are yeah. looking for a wealth of information. If you exercise purposely and you care, this podcast is for you. That's what I always tell people. Like, it's not just for athletes. Like, it's, pe- it's for active women who care. That's incredible. And, you know, because as I talked about earlier and that you live it, like, it doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and so for people to have this kind of um, almost, I don't think hands off is the right approach, but kind of like they can just listen to it on their time. And totally. it's not like they have to go into an office and talk about it. They can hear about other people having the same experiences they are. Like that has to be really re- rewarding for you to create those opportunities for people. And every race I go to, women come up to me. Every single one. Uh, uh, like uh, women come up men have come up too they're like wow I didn't know you know you really helped our marriage there was one on sex that this guy kept talking about and I'm like I'm just trying to register for the race (laughs) I'm glad and then he like pulled me over to meet his wife I'm like this is lovely and awkward and everything but I'm glad you guys are happy (laughs) (laughs) so Dave kind of keeping on the topic of what Celine's working on, uh, you know, I feel like as men, we're really quick to ignore those topics or mm-hmm. pretend they don't exist. Um, so, uh, as a, obviously a very close supporter of Celine, uh, what's something that's inspired you uh, from the work that she's doing? Oh, good question. Wow, there's a lot. Um, it is openness, it's honesty, it's talking things out versus just kind of putting things under the rug and pretending they don't exist or happen. Like, that's the worst thing we've kind of created in this society is, I mean, as someone who jokes over a whole lot of things, it's not going to really get the job done. So the fact that we can talk about things, whether it's, you know, what we're going through with menopause, what we're going through with mental health issues, what we're going through, the bad day, just being able to be open and honest with each other, um, it, it means so much. So that way people can actually get through their day, sleep at night, get up the next morning wanting to go forward and that sort of thing. It's it translates to so many other things. It translates to not necessarily judging how someone else is acting because of what you're going through. You have no idea what they're going through in their day. So giving them some grace to do stuff is so important. You know, if you're seeing someone hang, having a bad day on the bike, you don't know why. It could be because they've been going through hell the last six weeks and they haven't gotten on a bike at all. So maybe don't give them grief because they're having a bad day. So those things matter so much. So having that sort of awareness that there's so much we don't know and being okay and open to that and the more you learn the better you are and you should look you should look back what is it someone said you should look back a year ago and realize wow i knew nothing back then and that's okay because next year you should learn a whole lot more oh i like that that's one of those phrases sophia we're going to take we're going <laughs> to it's you know the ted lasso quoting i think it was walt whitman you know be curious not judgmental like that that moment in that, that season, that last episode of that season was like so poignant. I mean, I watch that over and over again, the dart scene. Everyone should watch that oh. like once a week. That is, I, I heard from multiple people that that is one of the best scenes in television ever. And I didn't yeah. believe it until I watched it. I am on a Ted, I have one of those, I, sh- I should have it in here. It's a Ted Lasso <laughs> prayer candle, you know, like the little Ooh. like tall candles, but it's Ted Lasso. Like That's awesome. there are so many yeah. If, if you guys have not watched the show, I know we're getting off, but Ted Lasso is one of the best shows because it you, makes your heart you walk, grow. Oh, you walk away so inspired. It yeah. is so good. Jason, he, have you watched it? 
I've watched. I've watched. So no spoilers. I think I'm only through halfway through the second season because it just season three just started, right? Okay. They're about to win the no. Super Bowl. Yeah. He's <laughs> no, a joke. What? That's a dumb joke. Ignore. <laughs> you went back hey, to the no. U.S. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's season four. Sorry. Um. Oh, he got the he got the early script. Taylor Swift <laughs> shows up and he recruits Travis Kelsey. There you go. Yeah. You could just like quote Ted Lasso in everyday life, and then you would just seem like the most inspiring, smartest person that you'd ever met. That's awesome. Or you could quote Roy Kent and just sound like the dirtiest, like the cursiest person ever. Roy Kent. Have one of both. Yeah. Can we curse on this? I forget. I mean, I listen. You can do whatever you want. All right. I just couldn't. I couldn't remember if there's a curse-friendly podcast. I don't because my mom listens. So that's how I am. <laughs> so, how did you get connected with Feisty Media in the first place? Um, and then getting connected with Catherine Taylor, with Girls Catherine Taylor. and all that. Yeah. She so was Catherine actually, Taylor yeah, so she was the in. one. Yes. Yeah. So, they had been wanting to get involved in the menopause space, but they didn't know exactly, like, who to do that. And then they saw that I was working with Dr. Stacey Sims, you know, and had this book coming out. So, Catherine just cold called me. I didn't know her. And she said, would you be interested in doing a webinar? And at the time, I was, I was co-hosting The Paceline with Patrick Brady. You know, and I was really enjoying the podcasting thing. And I was like, wow, I'd like to do one of my own. And I just blurted out, you should have a podcast. And she said, do you want to do it? I said, sure. And like literally three weeks later, the podcast launched. Wow. That's so amazing. were you like ready for that transition no. or was it kind of a <laughs> no? No. They are very much let's build the plane while it's in the air kind of people, which has taken me a long time to like get comfortable with. But it so you know. what was that journey like with building it? Did you have a lot of input in it? Did you oh, all the input. like Yeah, no, oh, yeah. they so, they gave me free reign. They have a producer yeah. and they just said you know, they, they let me just do it. That's and I, incredible. And I just did it. So in the beginning, who were like your dream guests that you were looking to have on the podcast? You know, the, the one person I want to give like tons and tons and tons of love and credit to, and she actually deserves it on a podcast like this is Rebecca Rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the I, queen. um, also the queen helped, of pain. Yeah. So I helped with her book way back in the day. You know, we met, um, stage racing and, at, uh, Transylvania Epic, as a matter of fact, and then I started that working book. on her book. Yeah, <laughs> that book. Jason yes. is holding up Rush to Glory. That's I got awesome. it. I got it. So then we started. Um, you know, we raced together as a duo. We raced the Brazil stage race. We raced the Israel stage race. We raced against each other. We raced at Unbound. You know, all the things. Anyway. Um, I really wanted her on the show, but at the time, like this was 2020 and people were still pretty reticent to talk about menopause. To your point, there was still this stig- you know, shame and stigma and it wasn't out there. Like you didn't have Oprah and all the celebrities, like as a Drew Barrymore, like everybody's talking about it now. You didn't have that. So I approached her and thinking, I don't know what she's going to think. And she's like, you know what? I've never said the word menopause. And I'm like, okay. She's like, I'm in. And I have so much respect. Like, she mm-hmm. was in. She went back to her coach. She's like, I need my numbers before and after menopause. He's like, when did you go through menopause? So they just did all this stuff. And she was my uh, second guest. And I am so grateful for her. 
because when you have somebody like that just openly speaking, it like other people see it. I mean, it's really important. So that she gave was a lot a, of she gave a lot of love to our podcast as well. She was like our sixth or seventh, like very early, and like we reached out and was like, "Hey, would you want to be on it?" She's like, "Absolutely, I'd love to support." Like she is. <laughs> top tier human yeah there's a reason she's first class gravel hall of fame anything hall of fame yeah Yeah. and and in the mountain bike hall of fame too the only person that's done that Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah, so i I mean yeah she's definitely uh definitely one i mean it is funny i reached out to michelle obama but you know nothing there so (laughs) just just keep just keep sending letters and you know know. maybe one day you never know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Well, let's switch to the race promoter side of things. Let Dave mm. talk for a little bit. Um, you've been a promoter for over a decade now on mm-hmm. the East Coast. Um, I swear, I promise you, at some point, I will be out there. It's been on my bucket list forever because I hear everybody um, talk about unpaved. Yeah, don't. I'm not going to tell you which year I show up because you're going to do something <laughs> really mean. So We were talking about it this year. I do it now because we, that course is set. So, yeah, if you book now, then I can't change the course. So, <laughs> uh, But, yeah, so let's get into it. Uh, Unpaved, Pennsylvania. It's a, a race I always recommend for people that come and ask for East Coast race. You're, you're at top of my list. Thanks. Um, it's, it's a, everything I've heard is a great event, and I feel like our community and how you run your event is very similar where it's focused on giving back and creating community first. Mm-hmm. Um, so like how, give us a rundown of unpaved, uh, what were your motivations to start the race and all that stuff to, to get that going? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been doing bike events out here. So I again, moved to Pennsylvania in 94 doing some mountain bikes, um, the road riding in where I live in the Lehigh Valley. So about an hour North of Philadelphia is where we live is just amazing farm roads to ride on. We have a fellow drone, we have mountain bike trails. I mean, I'm sorry, Boulder, but we have the best place to ride bikes on the planet. And so we would just <laughs> ride bikes all the time. And we would occasionally do dumb things on them because that's also what we do. Um, so we would take these road bikes and we'd find a dirt road before it was called gravel. So, you know, our gravel tires were Gator Skin 23Cs and just rip through those and have a blast doing it. And we were treating it more like classics events, you know. You know, roadies falling in love with Perry Roubaix, Tour of Flanders, and so we would do these roads and then find this dirt climb, and then we go punch up it, and then we get back on the paved road and ride around. So we treated those dirt roads like cobble sectors and things like that. And that's how my other event, Monkey Knife Fight, got born because another the guy was running the bike shop. I guess he wanted to sell a bunch of tires and brake pads, so he made this event where we would do these dirty roads and then come back and then have beer at a shop and realize that our bikes were broken after doing all of that because the bikes weren't there yet. But we kept having fun doing that. So around 2012-13, you know, also cyclocross was big for us. We had a great cyclocross scene. Um, we would get together every Saturday and or Sunday and treat it like softball league. You know, I'd race at 10 a.m., Celine would race at noon, other friends would race at 11. We'd have beers in between, doing hand-ups. You know, created handups are not a crime. Thank you very much. That's another claim to fame. And <laughs> we realized also these bikes are fun. We should probably do more with these than just ride around for 45 minutes on a grass field. So we used those for those dirty road climbs and adventures and started doing more. And I mean, I want to give credit. Jim Cummins 
um, of Dirty Cans of Fame and Unbound was living in our area at the time. And he would come to a cross races, hang out, and he said, you guys got to come out and do Dirty Cans. I have this event out in Kansas 200 miles. We're like, 200 what? No. 200? No. Not happening. <laughs> but then Rebecca Rush did it. She talked to Celine. You got to do this. This is amazing. We said, oh, sounds dumb. Let's do it. So we went out. <laughs> 2013, did it, did it on a Yeti aluminum cross bike, had a great time, came back. We went out, that was the first year of Rebecca's Private Idaho, so we went out for her event, supported, did that, came back, and then, so I'm talking to promoter friends of mine, I'm like, this is amazing to do these long days, you're out on these bikes all day, and it's beautiful, and you come back to town, and you have a party, and it's great. How can we do this in Pennsylvania? And my buddy, Mike Kuhn, who was putting on bike races, he's on the Hall of Fame of Pennsylvania cycling. If there, we had one, he'd be first ballot. He's like, I know exactly where we should do this. Up in the Susquehanna River Valley, Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, college town, has a rail trail leaving town to the foothills of the Bald Eagle State Forest, where it's hundreds of miles of gravel roads. Continuous gravel roads, big mountains, vistas, beautiful foliage, so we started talking with the Susquehanna River Valley Bidders Borough, told them what was happening in Poria in you know, towns like up in Michigan and like how tourism was working for bikes, and they got on board. They just fell in love with the idea. This is unpaved the Susquehanna River Valley is like one of those jigsaw puzzles where you could see every piece fit together and it does immediately. Tourism got on board. Um, the local venue Miller Center got on board. Everyone's just excited about this whole idea that we could create a uh, eight to thousand person event. And we decided because Mike and I have been putting on grassroots events. Like, what if we just jump straight to a big one? Yeah, we could put on a 300-person event this year. What would it take for us to build a 1,000-person event? We don't have one of those. We just wanted that challenge as promoters to try and make a big one. There wasn't a big one on the East Coast yet. We had the place for it. We had the support around it. Let's go for it. So we did. We took, I mean, it took three years of planning, about two years of tourism support, um, we got to do a media weekend with Jim and um, Jason from Gravel Cyclist and people from Bicycling. We brought them in to preview, and they're all like, yeah, you, this is what you need to have one of these. You've got it all figured out. So that was 2018. 18 was our first with 600, and then we did 800 in 2019. 2020 happened. Um, but since our event was October, by October 2020, we had – People have been figuring out how to put on some outdoor activity events um, that you could space out, you could do things, you had to reconfigure it completely, but at least there's a way to do some outdoor activity things. So we took on some of that. We capped it at 200. That was the limit for outdoor activities in Pennsylvania. We followed every protocol. We tore down the post party, but we also put in some things that stuck with us. And one was segment racing. We had, you know, East Coast is more congested than the Midwest, for sure. So we have more stop signs. We have more tricky intersections that you have to cross. It was always nerve wracking to have racers blowing off left turns on stop signs because that's what racers will do. It scares the bejesus out of me. So once we realized for COVID, we needed to find a way to calm down aid stations so people wouldn't get too close to each other, wouldn't elbow each other, wouldn't drink water from the same thing. It's like, let's just turn off timing in the aid stations. Well, how do we do that? Segments. If you have the segments, in before an aid station so people could get in there, take their time, get what they needed, 
get back on their bike, go a little further, segment starts again, you can start racing again, segment ends at the next aid station. We realized that, it's like, well then we can also turn it off for like the dangerous part. So we can turn it off, the timing off, on the one sketchy descent that everyone crashed on. Not everyone, but you know, the lead pro group, you know, Ted King barely missed breaking a collarbone because he skidded around someone because they all crashed. And we're like, well, let's turn off that timing on that descent. So we made the course a lot safer and we've kept that going. And then there's also more camaraderie and community happening at the aid stations. The aid stations now are parties. It's just like, you know, some great charity rides where there's cookouts and there's pierogies, there's bacon, there's other, there might be fireball in places, but I'm <laughs> not as far as I am. Um, I know where they can't have it anymore, so that's been ruled out. But anyway, um, so they become, now the aid station get really excited about throwing a party. They're not just throwing up, hand, handing out water bottles as someone as they race by and hope they don't drop it like I you know, have done before. That's scary. Now their people are coming in, they're talking, they're getting to know each other. It's really going to show off the people of Pennsylvania because they're the ones working the aid stations. They're the ones who want to have a good time and want everyone to have fun. So that, I've always loved the community aspect of that, where yeah. it, like people that I've talked to that have gone is like, like, like the two of you, for example, where so, like one is faster than the other, mm -hmm. you, you ride together and at a chill pace or whatever pace, and then you hit that timing mat and you go all out and then you wait at the end of it, whether that's the aid station or just the end of the segment. And then you have a good time for the next 20 miles and then you do right. it again. So it is a really interesting concept that, I've, I've adored in your event of, of right. doing that. Well, I mean, I've done it at a number of other events that have had it. We certainly didn't invent it. Um, Grindero has been doing it for a long time. There's other ones up here. Then we did it at mountain bike events as well. Um, and I knew it would work for, again, people like me, you know, people who will stop and try and win the aid station more than try and, try and win the race. Like how much of this can I eat? Can I eat six pierogies? I bet I can. Um, <laughs> that's more of my mindset. But Wait, I what's a pierogi? Is that an East Coast thing? <gasps> Do I do I not know what that is? Sophia, yeah. do you know what that is? Uh, I believe I just found this out on TikTok. Isn't it like kind of dough <laughs> filled with like kind of mashed potatoes e, right? It's a Pennsylvania so Dutch. Made them. Yeah. Yeah, my, okay. my, my family, make, they sell them at church. But yes, it's a, it's a Pennsylvania Dutch, like stick to your bone, you know, stick to your bones kind of food. It's, it is dough wrapped around usually mashed potatoes often with sauerkraut and it or, or cheese or bacon yeah. or sounds right up my alley it's i love how the best like ride good food ride food ever made it sounds ever. like a michigan pasty or like a nebraska runza like yeah. there's like all these like bread wrapped deliciousness <laughs> in like every, every little section it probably every state should have something like this that's for sure uh, dave two things that stuck out to me about um you know explaining about your race and kind of sharing about it is one the welcoming um arms that your city had mm -hmm. to the race because that is vital to yes any any event that you're going to put on because you can't have a successful event if the city is pushing back at it and we've experienced mm -hmm. that lately the city of lincoln has really come on board and been like okay we really see what's happening here the mayor comes um you know they actually had the air the blue angels air show yeah. they had it just for gravel worlds no um <laughs> but it was you know the city really needs to be on board if mm -hmm. you want to bring thousands of people to your town um 
Um, and the other thing is the emphasis on safety because that has been a topic in gravel cycling over the last few years with the <laughs> immense talent that is up and coming, how fast these people are going on these roads. And for you guys to put an emphasis on that is really, I really want to applaud you on that because that's something that kind of got out of hand before anyone could put a cap on it. Um, right. And so for you to see a solution and put that solution in place um, is really commendable. Well, thanks. It helps a lot. It helps a lot with the landowners. Um, so a lot of, again, the Bald Eagle State Forest is public lands. So we have forest rangers. They care desperately about that. They're actually the ones making us arrow so much of the course. You know, I think about a lot of events in Vermont actually have gotten away from arrowing. They rely completely on device navigation because they don't want to, you know, they have a beautiful landscape and they're one of their mindsets is we don't want to like add things to the landscape. We want it to be beautiful. So they've gotten away from arrows. Our rangers are on the opposite end. Like they want to make sure everyone is on course, not lost, safe, not miss anything. You know, they are very much in the rules and at that side. It's like, okay, we'll lean into that. That'll be even more of what we do. And again, having those segments, yeah, because when you have a hilly course, we have some large mountains. People in the Rockies laugh when they see them. They don't call them mountains. Then they start climbing them. They said, you're right. That was a mountain. My bad. That was a real, real deal, which means you also come back down. them. And we have amazing, beautiful, long descents that you forget about the climb. But we also on those have some left-handers and some right-handers that you want to have your brakes ready for. And if you don't know that they're coming or if you're trying to overcook them, you're going to get hurt. And I don't want you to get hurt. I want you to come back to the finish and I want you to have a good time and I want you to smile and I want you to go to work the next week and go back to your life because you're happy to be you. So having that was so key and critical. And it also, I will say it has helped the racer side of it. Like I said, like I knew my type of people would like it. I wasn't sure what Celine's side of the side would like. How much are they going to like pausing or not pausing, but not even, do I not race through this part? I don't get it. They got it. They totally understood it. The first year, the women's winner from the year before contacted the other two podium finishers and said, hey, let's start together. Because it was also a rolling start. Because we don't have um, you know, a 120-mile course, you can start at your leisure. So we set that up. They decided to start together. They rode all, everything together. They raced each other on the segments, and then they regrouped at the aid stations. They had a little picnic. They had a great time. They came back saying that was the best day they ever on a bike. Um, one of your champs, Adam Roberge, he's now one of our two-time champs. He came back this year with two friends from Canada that he's never gotten to really do an event with before. And he's like, yeah, we're going to ride the thing all day. I'm going to pin the segments. And then I'm going to wait, and then I'm going to catch up and ride with my friends between them. And then I'm going to pin the next segment, and I'm going to wait and catch up. And there's so many, there's photos of him just like laying around on the side of the road, like his legs out waiting. When does a racer get to like put his legs out for like 15 minutes waiting for right. someone to finish a 20-mile section? I've heard there's some rumors too. Granted, these rumors you told me. Uh, but <laughs> you're to expand the, the community aspects of, of Unpaved, uh, you're kind of expanding this, this next year. Can you uh, quickly talk about those? Yeah, we're in the works now. Hope if you put us on maybe the end of the power couple month, then hopefully we'll be done. Um, <laughs> but keep an eye on unpavedpennsylvania.com. We're looking to add tours, camps, retreat sort of things. So small group events. You know, as I put on events, I want to start riding them again. You know, it's great to oh, be nice, a promoter, yeah. but as you guys may know, you don't necessarily get to ride your bike for long stretches of time because you're worried about your event. 
I want events where I can also ride a bike and I'm out there on that course. And so we can go explore the course in segments together in small groups, like groups of 20 or so. That's, I think the next phase of that. And I also think that's, you know, we just, one of the beautiful things of gravel is you can go and explore and yeah, you're still gonna, someone's gonna try and get to the top of the hill first. That's just people riding bikes. But then we can all go back to camp together and have some beer or coffee and have a that's good time so around cool. it. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. Very much community oriented. Yes. That's all. So for people doing very different things in the industry, what does supporting your partner look like for the two of you? I don't know. I mean, it, it, we, we are very supportive of each other. So it, it's, you know, I think it's just understanding when one of us needs to, you know, like when he was getting his MBA. I mean, a lot of those nights, it was just like, well, tonight I'm doing homework and then I've got to work on Unpaved and then I've got to work on this. And it's just, you know, understanding that and just supporting whatever, however you can to make those hard stretches as easy as you can. I think also we've, we're not fiercely independent, but we've kept a little bit of independence between us and what we do. Like, I think an example is that we still have separate bank accounts. Like we, we don't, we've never really had it a combine. It would be a disaster if we ever tried to combine. <laughs> so we divvy up the bills. You know, I've been taking care of mortgage all these years. She will take care of insurance things. I'll take care of the cable bill. Or I think you'd still take care of the cable bill. I think you also Not take yet. care of the power bill. I think you still take care of the heat. I think I like anyway. everything else, but anyway. Um, and so because of that, I think we also know we have things to do. So we've always like had space to do that. So. And we've never really had a combined thing. Interesting. Like unpaid, no. yeah, is fairly separate. You're very in, you're involved with awareness and certainly would not get the attention it has gotten without you talking about it. But you're not part of the organizing team. You're not um, thinking about aid stations or any of that sort of thing. You worry about people as much more than I do, but that's just yeah, because yeah. it's your nature. Um, it's not because you're actually looking at like how many porta johns we need. Um, no, but as far as how we support each other, I think we just just do yeah. that. You know, like, and we always we prioritize fun. You know, we don't ever yes. like sacrifice fun time. Like that's that that's important always. Yeah, I think if you so cool. took a look at our yard and house, you might go, oh, that's why, because they just go out and have fun. I'm not. We are on board. <laughs> we are both on that same, t you know, too. Like, there's, housework is evergreen. Yard work is evergreen. Keep it, you know, keep the roof up, and that's good enough. Like, let's live. Yeah. We got a house made of concrete, so it can't fall down around us. <laughs> that means you're just busy making memories and, you know, collecting. Um, what is that called? It's like collecting life moments or something like yes. that. That's just what Core you're memories. doing. Core memories. Thank you. That's what it is. 100%. That's what it is. That is priority one. Do you well, guys our... generally find yourself at, um, like, at the same events? Or, like, so would you be like, oh, I'm going to our Rebecca's Private Idaho do you want to come or if not cool like or, or how do you do you guys plan your trip events around we, that we, together no, or are those I mean, kind of independent too we we there's a lot locally that we and we go to together right like there's a big scene here that we go to events together um and for destination events we try but you know as you guys learned a couple of years ago that doesn't always work out when i sign up for say last best ride and he's like hey you want to go to gravel world same <laughs> morning we signed up independently for the different events that happen on the same day nine months in the future and come 
she's upstairs, I'm downstairs, we get together and say, like, hey, you want to do this? Hey, do you? That's the same day. Shit. <laughs> what are the chances? What are the chances? Yeah. But we do try to go. I took my daughter. We do try to go to like, you know, when we do a big fun event, we try to go together. Yeah. And it depends. Like, no, I did not go to Brazil. And I did not go to, you know, the Cape Epic in South Africa. Yeah. The big pro-E things that's full of support and stuff. No, I didn't. Yeah. I took care of. At that point, we had a younger daughter that needed well, some level of care. I was going to say, we, we needed someone here. I think, yeah, I think she was Our, needing me then. She's 21 now, so she needs me a lot less. Are there any <laughs> events that you guys do look forward to going to together, at least like visiting that city um, and exploring, and then one of you races or rides? I think at this point, I'd want to do them too. I'm really trying to do more. Um, it was amazing when she... Um, one her age category, the Ironman in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I was there with our daughter and had a great, that was the first time in Louisville. And it's like, I love this town. This is the best. So I've been back a few times since. So that was like one of those good ones for that. Um, you came so to Hawaii. I did go to Hawaii. To Kona. Yep. Kona. That was unbelievable. I drank a lot that day while you're out riding your swimming, running, riding, whatever you're College doing. football starts at 6.30 in the morning there, folks. <laughs> I get up. Uh, I stay, or I guess I stay up kind of late for watching. I watch that every year. Uh, Dude, World like, yeah, Texas, Oklahoma is on at 6 a.m. <laughs> you got in the swim, and I walk straight over to go get some breakfast. My college football's on. Maybe I will have a my time. That's awesome. And so we did put up a little pop-up story on Ooh. the Gravel Family podcast Instagram. Um, and the first one is for Dave. And it is East Coast, Midwest, or West Coast Gravel. It's called Beast Coast. Okay, all right. <laughs> Sorry, Flatlanders. I know you invented gravel. You got that on lock. I, I did East like East Coast the, is the, the right coast. coast. It's on the right side. It's the right coast. The correct coast. <laughs> I did like the now. little uh, innocent beef we we had uh, where we were getting our, our followers riled up. It was pretty we, fun. We need to have friendly rivalries. It's worked really well for Portland and Seattle cyclocross. I am ready and willing to have a frenemy rivalry with the Nebraska. <laughs> and you know what? They say Nebraska nice, so we'll always have a little bit of under niceness there. We won't. We won't really jab That's it to good, you because everyone thinks we're assholes, but we're actually the most kind and considerate people on the planet. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Celine's uh, quick Instagram question was: What podcasts do you listen to, or do you get tired of podcasts at the end of the day? Oh, I can oh, take a break now. Oh, this list will be long. I'll be back. No, no I listen to a ton of podcasts. Oh my um, gosh! You're like my yeah, wife. Yeah. I can't even keep track of all the podcasts she listens to. I can't no. either, because and they all sort of match match my moods or what I'm into. But I listen to a lot of science and training, like things that I'm learning all the time. You know, so I'm always listening to that kind of stuff. So I will, you know, I'll listen to two hours of Peter Atia, depending on who he's talking to, and just like really dive in. Because I'm a, I almost went to med school. I'm kind of a science geek that way. Um, when I just want to turn off. I have this podcast. I jokingly call it Not Everybody Died. It's called, what is it actually called? It's actually, oh, Against All Odds. So it's stories of survival, you know, that kind of thing. Like, so I'm a sucker for that kind of, and it's just, I don't know how, how did I ever fold laundry and do dishes without podcasts? Like how, how did I ever do mundane stuff without podcasts? 
We didn't. Now we actually I, I, have one who folded. And... Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Um, well, before we go, I um, I really appreciate both of you individually for what you've done for our sport and sport in general. Uh, Dave, you've been a uh, someone I've looked up to, and we've we've developed a really good long-distance yeah. re- friendship relationship. Um, and I always love your comments on our posts, Clink, and, and all that support. I really appreciate it. Um, and then obviously it. Celine. Yeah. Okay. Getting to know you guys organized, you've helped out them. I and mean, we, we were all navigating COVID. It was really great to bounce ideas off each other. That was really helpful. I think that one of my favorite moments of, or favorite things from the Gravel Worlds family was when I was down there and just amazed by the production and everything you were all doing and just blowing me out of the water. And Sophia was running around. I'm like, can you please dial back the awesomeness? You're making it harder for the rest of us. And she said, nope, just going to make it more awesome. And ran off. I'm like, right. I don't even remember that. That's you really funny. Smiling. And I was like, can you calm down? Like, enough. Like, you've done enough. You just, you're making this too hard. That was the 12 cans of Coca-Cola shining through right there. <laughs> right, and she down. doesn't drink caffeine ever. So when she gets, like, an ounce of caffeine, it's... Wow! Kangaroo level. Fast on caffeine through September and October, and hit that. I'm on your program. That was awesome. (laughs) Thank you guys for all you do. It's really amazing. Uh, But Celine, you too, for everything that you're doing um, to to just raise the bar and knowledge for not just women but for men too. um, Mm -hmm. Just really appreciate the conversations that need to be had that you are having. So um, thank you. But before we go, Sophia always has one last question. Do, do, do. Well, it. what does the Gravel family mean to each of you? Um, I think since Dave is a loyal follower of the mm-hmm. podcast, he will already have his answer ready. So we'll go with Dave and then Celine. You would think that, but now I still just <laughs> fly by the seat of my pants. It is. I mean, it's always community. I mean, that is what as many bike discipline event things I've done, and I've loved everything that I've gotten to do. There's nothing like the gravel community, pre, during, post, way post events, just the fact that we bond and care for each other, that we love each other no matter which distance we do. We've gotten, I hopefully passed the, oh, I just did the 30 or just did the 90, that we're just now just doing the things and that's great. And so I feel like we keep evolving and get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And that's what family should do. We should keep helping us to get better and better. Love it. Yeah, and for me, yeah, for I me, you know, if I think of one word, it would be support. You know, I mean, whenever you, you go to any event, like, you feel supported. Everybody is happy you're there. They're happy to see you. They're genuinely happy to see you. Your, your competitors are happy to see you. And it's just, it feels so supportive. It feels very safe, and it feels very supportive. And I, I you know, I, I am an introvert, so, like, sometimes it's kind of hard for me when I have to put myself out there. But I always feel like I'm going to be in... Uh, open arms when I show up at places. Really good answers. Always, always good answers. So um, thank you both so much for, for your time. Uh, and we really appreciate you guys both being on. And I cannot wait to see you hopefully sooner than later at some some event. We will, I'm sure our paths I will know cross what. soon. <laughs> they, they do too. <laughs> All right. I'll see you October. When's, when's unpaved? October? October 13th. October 13th. we'll come down in August. We'll see. Um, and then real quick, how do people find you guys, uh, if they want to follow you? Celine, you go first. 
They can follow me. I'm uh, still at my bicycly moniker, so I'm at FitChick3 on Instagram. You can also follow all the work I do in the women's space at feistymenopause.com. You can find the podcast, you can find the newsletter, you can find the website, all the stuff there. And we will link that all in the bio, both well, of thank you. your guys' stuff. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so I'm at DQ Pryor on the social medias. Um, I'm Unpaved Pennsylvania is our Instagram. It's also our website, Unpaved PA, if you're still on Facebook. I think you should be. Don't we don't have Twitter on it anymore? I'm still on Twitter, DQ Pryor, though. I'm bad at that. Um, and then if you like more paved roads, but with really, really hard gravel sections in it, that'd be Ride Monkey Knife Fight. Love cool. it. Cool. Well, cool. All right, we'll see you guys very, very soon. I'm Sophia. I'm Jason. I'm Celine. And I'm Dave. And this has been another episode of the Gravel Family Podcast. We'll see you next time. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com.